Well, good morning and welcome to you, Emma. Um, it's lovely to have you today. Thank you for having me. So I'm Kay Todd from um, Soft UK. I'm the communications officer and thanks to all our listeners for joining us as well. Um, Emma is mama to Willow, baby Willow, um, who had trisomy 18 and she's also the founder of TFMR Mamas. So um, lovely to have you and we'd love to hear a bit more about your story. Could you, could you tell us how it all started please Emma? Yes, I can. Um, so Willow was with my husband, um, we'd gone through five rounds of fertility treatment to even get pregnant with Willow. Yeah. So on our first round, we had a very early loss at five and a, five weeks mm-hmm. and then failed, failed, failed. And then we got pregnant. And so to us, it was a miracle to even be pregnant because we've gone through all this treatment and a year, a year really of um, having fertility treatment and five cycles in anyway so we got pregnant couldn't believe it and because we'd had the early loss before it was stressful and every time I went to the toilet I was worried that I'd be miscarrying and checking for blood and all of these things that you do when you're pregnant after loss and I just couldn't believe it but because we were under the fertility clinic we were having scans weekly because they had to monitor my progesterone levels and all of these things so I was getting to see our pregnancy and our baby grow often, Mm. which Mm. in hindsight now I'm really grateful for. Um, And we got to 12 weeks. And of course, that's what you think. You think, right, that's it. You know, we've made it. (laughs) Everything's going to be fine. Mm. And um, we... I, I... My anxiety was really high because it was a pregnancy after loss. And then... I was scheduled to go for the NT scan Mm -hmm. and I didn't really understand what, what that was or what Mm -hmm. that meant, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was, all I was thinking about is, is the heart still beating? Is the Mm -hmm. heart still beating? Mm -hmm. So I went, I went along a day early, I think, because I was so anxious. I said, please, you know, can you fit me in today? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, we can't because this scan takes about an hour. It's a really long scan. Mm. I said, well, could you just do a viability scan for me then? So I was at the NT scanning place. And can you just do a viability scan? Can you just check that the heart's still beating? Can you just check everything's still okay? Mm. So she said, fine, I'll squeeze you in quickly. So that's what she did. But then what happened was everything unraveled really quickly because I hopped up on the bed and she found the heartbeat. I was really relieved. I was like, oh, thank goodness, you know, and and our baby was kicking their arms and legs about and moving around. And and I was just like, oh, it's amazing. You know, it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I think by this point I was 12, nearly 13 weeks mm-hmm. pregnant. And then her face just changed and she just said I can't not tell you what I can see and I was like what what do you mean and my husband I looked over at my husband he just had his hands in head in his hands like looking at the floor and I was sitting there thinking but everything's fine the heart's Mm. beating I can hear the heart beating I can Mm. see our baby moving Mm. and she said there's quite a few things that I can see already without even doing a detailed look that's telling me that there's something wrong with your baby 
Sure. So I was just, I just didn't know what. Anyway, then she said, I'm going to have to clear. Um, she went from not being able to see me to being yeah. able to see me within the hour. She said, I'm going to have to move something around in my diary, clear my diary, come back in an hour, and I'm going to do the detailed scan oh, wow. and figure out what's going on. So we left just sort of not really knowing what what was going on went over the road to some little cafe mm. ordered a drink I don't even know if I drank it I just mm. you know but before we'd left the room I said to her you know well, how bad are we talking and she said well I'm not sure that you're going to make it to term and I was like right okay um and she sort of explained a little bit. So anyway, I went over to the cafe and I, that is all a blur, really. And then we went back over and, of course, we're sitting in a waiting room full of heavily pregnant people. Mm. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, no, I'm, I'm not here for mm. the same reasons as you guys. <laughs> and um, anyway, went in. She did the detailed scan and um, Willow had a huge cystic hygroma on her head. She had fluid over her um chest all around her abdomen the nt measurement was 6.7 i think um and the cystic hygroma was nearly as big as her head um so anyway she did all these things and um there was something going on with her stomach and she just stopped and she said there's no point me doing anymore i've seen what i need to see to be able to tell you what i need to tell you without the genetic results coming back. Mm -hmm. So I'd already done the NIPT test and um, two weeks before, and yeah. that was due back any day. Okay. So she said, you know, have you done the NIPT? I said, mm -hmm. I have. Um, and I said, it's due back like now. Mm -hmm. So she sat down and she said, "It's there's distinct markers within the fluid that are telling me that it could be Patos or turners is what she thought originally. Okay. Um, but aside from the genetic diagnosis, she has this huge cystic hygroma and the amount of fluid around your baby is likely going to stop her heart by the time you're probably 28 weeks pregnant. At, you know, based Would on that just be because of the pressure, Emma? Um, because, yeah, because the heart yeah. won't be able to deal with there would be more fluid than baby Wow! in the end, which would have put so much pressure on the heart that the heart would have stopped. So I was just, you know, sitting there thinking, oh, you know, what, what do you even do with this? You know, cause I've not that you want to have a miscarriage, no. but I've always been, I'd always been worried about a miscarriage because no. I've had a very early loss and I've heard that stillborns, stillbirth happens but this wasn't really in my awareness that this no. could be bones, really. a thing that mm. this could be that I could find myself in a situation where I was having to choose mm. when to bring things to an end. Do mm. I wait, you know, for my baby to die inside me and then have a stillbirth at mm. 28 weeks ish mm. or however long, or do I, hope by for some sort of miracle that I make it to birth and she likely will die soon afterwards ah mm. oh, just it's just a, a situation nobody ever dreams they will be in mm. 
And I think when you've gone through fertility treatment, you really don't think that after all of that work and time and everything that goes into fertility treatments to get pregnant, you're like starting at a minus, right? When mm, you're doing fertility treatment, right? Because getting pregnant is a is a mission. Mm. So you never imagine that you're going to have to be the one to say, I'm not going to continue mm-hmm. this pregnancy mm-hmm. or I am or, or that it could fall to be your decision somehow. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she said, wait for the NIPT results to come back um, and then we'll take the next steps after that. So it was my husband's birthday the very next day. <sighs> that just disappeared. I don't even... We did nothing. I don't, I don't mm. even think I wished him a happy birthday. <laughs> mm. um, and I didn't know what to do. So I went to work. I did a full me- full day of meetings with lawyers, yeah. with um, banks, really important meetings, actually, because I didn't know what else to do. Mm. And I just, so I just was like a robot. I was just going through, <laughs> through the motions and in between meetings, I'd sit in a lobby, burst into tears, put my makeup back on, go into another meeting, do the meeting, then go down to the lobby, burst into tears. And that's, that's how the day went. And then the next day we went to see our fertility doctor because we hadn't heard anything. And I just thought, I just need to see her because I hadn't seen her since I'd had this news. It was a different doctor. So I went to see her really just to talk it through and say, you know, have you ever seen anything like this before? What's your experience? Blah, blah, blah. And as we walked in and sat down, she opened up her emails and she said, oh, the emails just arrived literally as we sat down with with our NIPT results. And it came back as like 98% Edwards syndrome. So that's where we that's where we were really with it all it all happened quickly in terms of receiving news Very quickly, yeah um purely because we'd already done the testing mm. weeks we before so that it just came at the same time and I was going to do a CVS test but and I would have done a CVS test had we not have had the cystic hygroma and all of the fluid around her I think mm. I know actually I would have um but there was other things going on with her you see so we ended up just making that awful decision I found ARC and um got some information from them I was gonna go down um I ended up going private actually because when I phoned up the I wanted to be asleep okay I didn't know why I just that's just what I knew Mm. Um, and when I phoned up to make the appointments in the UK, they were telling me that Gareth, because of COVID and other things, Gareth couldn't be with me, that um, he would be able to be with me until I went in and then he wouldn't see me again until I was fully dressed, signing my forms to walk out on the pavement. So he wouldn't be there when I woke up. Mm. I was told that, you know, I would get given my baby in a plastic tub to deal with um, that they didn't yeah so how was that that news shared Emma was it shared at least compassionately or was it kind of quite cold and clinical when they were telling you these you know circumstances that you'd have to deliver in 
Um, I mean, it's horrible news. Yeah, I mean, it was just over the phone because um, I'm in Dubai and, and I had to come to England, you see. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, all I knew for me is I, I and I wanted my baby's remains and yeah. I wanted to be able to have a cremation with just her and keep them so I decided that that I couldn't do that so we actually ended up paying privately to go to a private hospital in London where Gareth could be with me luckily I say luckily Covid cancelled our wedding so we got a wow. refund of our wedding money so we okay. used our wedding money to pay oh. to go to a private hospital in London Okay. and um I was able to have a surgical termination and he was able to be with me he was able to be with me when I woke up they okay. looked after our baby and had the remains sent to a funeral director and she was cremated on her own okay. and that's just what I needed mm -hmm. the other one felt too difficult I also didn't want to be around um other people in a waiting room when we were there for such different reasons mm. Mm. um you know I've had unplanned pregnancies in my teens when I was 16 17 mm. and I chose not to continue with those pregnancies uh, mm. you know very early weeks and having been in both places they're non-comparable mm. in terms of the emotional care that you need at that time mm. Mm it's a very different experience when you are in parent mode mm. and planned and wanted and yeah it's very different so I just knew I couldn't be in that environment mm. when I was saying goodbye to our baby basically mm. and I couldn't be on my own and so that's that how how that went. So we were very lucky in its terms that we had the money mm. from our cancelled wedding from COVID. Yeah. <laughs> to, it's a really twisted way of finding something good out of a really yeah. good situation. But you know, we were fortunate that we had the financial means to do that. Mm. Um, because that really was what we both needed yeah. emotionally. Yeah. Um, to be able to process that and to be able to have that day where we did say goodbye mm -hmm. in our way and um, so yeah so that's what we did we went back to London I was I think two days under 14 weeks and said goodbye and it's just yeah hard when was that Emma was that last that, year that was October 2020 okay Okay. Mm. So really in the middle of everything that was going on with COVID, I think that was the second lockdown. Or we so. flew back in the middle of a lockdown, yeah. Okay, sure. Which is just, you know, doing this all in, in a pandemic is just even harder, okay. um, especially from a different country. Mm. So that's what we did. Um, and it's, I don't know, something can be the right decision and it doesn't mean that you suddenly have to make it all a positive mm. silver linings thing it can be the right decision for you for your family mm. it doesn't mean it's not hard it doesn't mm. mean that it's not heartbreaking mm. um I think for me I just felt like I was being given the responsibility of choosing when to say goodbye mm. I felt like there was no 
all I kept thinking is whatever road I go down, I'm going to have to say goodbye to my baby. Mm. doesn't matter what way I turn, mm. I'm trapped into this space of my baby dying mm. one way or another. And I just, I can't, it's the, one of the most confusing emotional spaces I've ever been in, I think. Mm. 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 Really difficult. And just a lot of responsibility. And as, as the person that's carrying, you're the one that's got to sign the paperwork. You're the one that's got to, it's just, and it just doesn't feel right. You know, yeah. like when, you know, I, uh, I consent to, and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be doing any of this. I remember yeah. saying to my mum on the phone, like so upset. I was like, I just don't want to be doing any of this. If I could push a button, escape my body right now, yeah. I would do that. Yeah because I literally feel like I'm a walking nightmare, mm. you know, and whatever just, I do, I'm going to lose, lose yeah, our baby. There's just no good outcome from this whole thing. No, it's not no. going to be a, you know, a positive outcome. No, no, very difficult. And then I've got my fertility doctor, you know, also saying to me, you know, if I, continue and birth when I think about us because we don't have any living children so when I think about us and our family and what that looks like for the future it wasn't just Willow I had to consider it's what does our family look like mm -hmm. in the future and when you are up against fertility struggles as well time sadly does become part of your decision making because mm. I'm getting told all of this awful news about the baby I'm carrying and I'm also getting told and you really don't have a year and a half to go through you know to to, to do you may end up with no chance of having any living children mm. Mm. and then you end up it's just this other thing that you know for, for us was a very real um reality that we had to face and deal with and decide my husband made it very clear that he didn't think that he would be able to cope with us going through with the pregnancy and just either waiting for her to die inside me or dying not long after mm -hmm. he told me he would find that very difficult mm -hmm. so there's so many different things and people that all of a sudden have to be considered mm. when you end up in this space. Yeah. So. And Emma, what kind of support did you get at the time? Whether it's from professionals or friends or family? Well, again, you know, I use the word luckily, there's nothing lucky about any of this, but luckily <laughs> I live with bipolar. So okay. I am... Um, I have a psychiatrist in place. I have a therapist in place. I have trauma therapists in place already. I have a trauma women's support group that I'm a part of in the States. And I suppose from that point of view, I was quite well set up for yeah. support. For me, reaching out for help wasn't something new. Mm. So I'm kind of grateful that I live with this long-term chronic mental health condition because I've been diagnosed for 11 years now and it's taught me so much about how to get help 
and what strength actually is and that it's not you know strength is is getting your needs met strength is asking for the help that you need strength isn't trying to do it all on your own you know so Mm. I've learned that the hard way uh, over the you know before I got diagnosed and then since but by by being by having bipolar Mm. so for me it was sort of almost automatic to just go to these things that I knew right I need that I need that like I'm supposed in that way I'm quite resourceful because I've learned to be not because it's a skill something you just know because I've Mm. learned that that's what you do Mm. and that connection brings safety and connecting with the right people yeah um and making sure that you're heard in safe spaces Mm. and you're not putting yourself in unsafe spaces which will bring you more harm and Mm. all of those things are so important Mm. um so yeah so that must all all have been very key in helping you heal and and get through you know the journey that lay ahead after saying goodbye to willow yeah yeah and i was looking i mean arc was um jane um sally at arc was amazing um who was the person that was sort of speaking with me and i was looking for you know i because i shared everything on social media about my fertility journey mm-hmm. I shared everything real time so I shared everything about losing Willow real time and what that did is it connected me with hundreds of parents hundreds who had gone through it themselves who were just finding out and I thought I I was looking for the sorts of groups that I was already a part of for bipolar and for trauma recovery. And I couldn't find it in the TFMR space. Mm. So that's how I've ended up creating TFMR Mamas because I created what I was looking for. Yeah. And the same tools that I use in, because I coach people with bipolar and trauma recovery myself I mentor them and the same tools that I use in those groups I knew would be helpful in this space because it's grief work and it's trauma recovery work Mm -hmm. and it's understanding your triggers understanding what your inner narrative is telling you and getting connected connection is key so I just thought I know this can help Mm -hmm. so anyway tear for my mum has started (laughs) because i'll tell you why it started because after i lost willow i ended up spending i was spending about six hours every day answering dms in my social media of people that were just finding out of people that had just you know not long lost their babies and the truth was i couldn't keep up with Mm -hmm. it and look after myself in my own grief work yeah so I thought, right, this is too big for just me. Mm. I need to set up something that can do more with mm. while I can still look after me. Mm. So I set up TFMR Mamas and set up support groups. Um, I think in the first month I ran 10 support yes. groups and they were all full. Um, and it was incredible. Uh, and it's grown into something I never imagined it would grow into. Um 
one you never imagine yourself in this space anyway and two you never imagine yourself then going on to do something in this space because you never knew it existed in the first place but so that's that's how tear for my mamas was created and now we have the tfmr support groups we have pregnant after tfmr support groups um i've just this week the birth and babies after tfmr group is starting so i've just been following it's ha- it's grown as the community has grown and as their needs have changed so as their needs change i make sure that there's yeah and really that the only mission that i have is to keep creating safe spaces because Mm -hmm. that is where people can really let it all out and because they can because they're safe Mm -hmm. if someone's not safe they can't they can't show all of what they're feeling they can't share all of what they're feeling because they're always worrying what do they think what's going on there will I be judged will I be you know Mm -hmm. and if you can take that away it creates something quite special where people can just be Mm -hmm. and that is uh, and they can connect and that is what I see happening in the groups and and it helps you know yeah and and that feeling of not being alone that you're part of not a not a community you would ever want to be part of but at least you're not facing this alone that's it um and no one's journey will ever be the same because there's always so many differences but there are so many similarities and I think that's where people can connect and relate to each other is through those similar through those similarities um where they go oh it's not just me that thinks that oh it's not just me that feels that okay I'm not crazy for thinking that this is normal yeah and then that's when shame goes right and that's when people can breathe again I think Mm -hmm. so so that's how I'm here (laughs) amazing Emma it sounds like TFMR Mamas has been part of your healing journey as well yeah it has I mean people message me and thank me and I I thank them straight back so I'm like you've got no idea how you as a community of people help me and inspire me every single day every single day so it's definitely a two-way street Uh, it's not something I planned it's happened and um and I'm incredibly grateful that this community exists I'm sad it exists and I'm grateful and I'm grateful it exists because um it's definitely been very healing very helpful for me along the way you know amazing and Emma if you had a message for people listening what what would you say to to those who are tuning in um I think taking things one step at a time I think I say this every single day because when you feel overwhelmed most often we're thinking too far ahead or in too big a chunks Mm. so just break it down to if you think about six months away and your breath gets taken away and you feel like your legs going to give way beneath you bring it down to three months if that still feels hard bring it down to a month if that feels hard bring it to a week if that feels hard bring it to a day hour minute second by second if you have to Mm. so just take everything in small steps and don't should on yourself so don't say oh I should be feeling better by now or 
you know, this happened and I got triggered and now I'm back to square one, you know, don't should on yourself. There's no right or wrong way to do any of this. Um, the fact that you open your eyes in the morning, you're still breathing, you, you know, manage to get through the day. You're incredible in my eyes because mm. this is, you know, life changing world rocking stuff. And, um, and you're, and you're a parent. That's the other thing I say that if you have quite often people that have chosen to end their pregnancies will feel like especially if they don't have any living children may feel like they don't really deserve to be titled as parent or mum or dad or however you call yourself and actually I think that in this space you've had to do some of the most difficult parenting mm. in the shortest amount of time and make one of the hardest decisions that most parents never have to make in a lifetime mm. now if that isn't parenting I don't know what is mm. so you are a parent and if you're not their mum and dad who is or mum and mum and dad and dad you know if you're not their parent who is right so you are um and it's in your in your you know your grief is valid no matter how or when you say goodbye to your baby. So that's what I would say, I think. Well, thank you, Emma. Um, I think you've summed it up very beautifully and mm -hmm. it's been really lovely speaking to you and hearing your story. I think you've put it really, very clearly. And I think people listening today will really be inspired by what you've said and feel feel that, you know, they're not alone. So, yeah, I hope so. yeah. you're definitely not alone, that's for sure. Whatever you go through in life, here's one thing, whatever you go through in life it, and you you sit there and you think, God, nobody else gets this. I'm the only person in the world that feels like this. The minute you say that to yourself, just know, I promise you, you're not, you're not. There's someone out there and it might be hard to find, right? But there's someone out there that will listen to what you've got to say and listen to how you feel and say, I get it. I feel that too. And I promise you, you won't be alone. That's one thing I know for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Emma. You're welcome. <laughs>